Well, good morning, church. How are we? Oh, a few of you are here. That's good. Just a few of you. Um, <clears throat> so as Blake said earlier, my name is Taylor Wade, and I'm the student pastor. And man, we had a um, just an incredible weekend. We got here at, yesterday at 4.30. All of our students and our leaders arrived at 4.30, and then we hung out. We had some worship. We had some small group times. We had some game times and went until quite late into the night slash morning, um, but it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. We had a couple of our kids rededicate their life and re, just recommit, and so it was just really cool to see the Lord work, and I, I got to tell you, we have an incredible group of students. In fact, um, we didn't even bring in a speaker. I had two of our seniors um, give both of our sermons uh, last night, and they both um, just did amazing, and it was just so cool to see their willingness to let God speak through them and work in them. And so I just want you all to know that we have some incredible students. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you all to um, making it in this place, this church, and it, have an environment where they feel welcome and they feel loved and they feel a part of the church. And so thank you so much um, for, for helping us do that and letting them be here and experience things like this weekend. And um, it, it was just incredible. Um, but so as we hop into today and we start to talk, you know, as we've been doing this All, All I Want for Christmas series, I want to take you back a little ways. Um, I want to take you back to Christmas 2006, okay? I'm sure every single one of you knows exactly where you are, were in 2006. Um, me, I was a freshman in high school. Um, and so freshman in high school and we, we had opened all of our presents <laughs> Blake's laughing because I always mess with Blake and Sean on their anniversary because they got married the same year I was born, and so we uh, joke about that. Um, but, but so I, we, had, we had opened our presents, we had done all, all that stuff, um, and, and then all of a sudden my parents tell me, they say, hey, I want you to come outside with us, right? And, and so in that moment, I do what any good little brother does. I, I'm my brother, I have a brother, he's three and a half years older, did what any good little brother does and I immediately look at my parent or at my brother and I to, to think, hey, do we listen to them right now? Or like, what, what do I do, right? Follow my older brother's lead. Uh, and, and so I do that. I look at him. And when I look at him, he has this massive smile on his face. And so in that moment, I knew, oh, this is good. Like, this is going to be good. And so we get up and we go outside and we walk through the garage and walk out. And there it is. Brand new basketball goal. Okay, brand new basketball goal. It's got a breakaway rim, um, that, which is like, that means it kind of breaks down if you dunk on it, since, you know, I was dunking as a freshman um, when we lowered it all, all the way. Um, but, you know, it would do that, and it had the, the clear backboard, not glass, but clear and full-size backboard. And if you're not a basketball fan, for, for me in high school, like, that was it. I walked out, and immediately when I saw that, I knew I was a better basketball player. Like, it made me better just having that goal, and I knew it in that moment. Blake feels, feels that right there. There's some of those things you're just like, man, hey, I'm better now. But it, it, so that happened, and it was, it was just incredible. And, you know, there, there, were, there are some Christmases where those types of things happened for me, where I, I wanted something so bad, and, and I got it. You know, there were also some of those Christmases um, that, that, I, that it, whatever I wanted, it just wasn't doable at that time. You know, or it was, I wasn't old enough, as my mom would say, to have that first BB gun or shotgun. I don't know what she was thinking, but um, I wasn't, apparently. And so, but, and so I, sometimes I wouldn't get those things, but I just remember this feeling growing up 
uh, of every time before Christmas wanting to know so bad what I was going to get. Like, I just wanted to know, and, um, and I just needed, I felt like I needed to know what I was going to receive. Um, and in fact, I have to make a confession, there were many times where I snuck into my parents' closets to try and find what I was going to get before it was wrapped. And yeah, there were a couple of times I got caught, and I won't go into that, but it was not, not pretty. Um, and, and so, but I wanted to know so bad that I had to go look. Right? And so growing up, there's just this need, this feeling of needing to know, right? Because I was so focused on these, this materialistic side of Christmas, of wanting things and wanting to get the things that I wanted because I felt like that's what it was about. That's what I had to have. And I even remember um, Christmases where my parents or my grandparents would want to read the Christmas story or talk about why Christmas is important before we open presents, right? And so I'm sitting there, and there's presents around, especially when I was at my grandma's, there's presents around. And I'm like, okay, God, just give me 13 hands, and I open them all at the same time, and, and even some of my brothers, and we'll get those open real quick. And I just wanted to do that so fast because I wanted to know what was in there. And... and and I would be so annoyed. I just remember being so annoyed with my parents or grandparents for trying to point us back in the right direction, trying to remind us what Christmas was really about. Um, and so, so we, we had some of that. And, you know, uh, so I do have, I have one more confession to make, and this may be hard for some of you to hear. If you know me well, um, this may burst your bubble a little bit um, about me, but I got to tell you that I've, I've come to realize with myself in, you know, the last couple days, finally, uh, after you know, 29 years of realizing, y'all, I'm not perfect. I got to tell you, I'm not. I've, I've come, to grips with, come, come to grips with that, but, you know, it, it's out there, right? It's out there now, so you guys know. You can hold me accountable in that. You guys know, uh, but it's kind of a relief. Um, but, you know, in, in, in the spirit of being honest, I, I want to ask you... Um, Anybody, anybody in here want to make that confession today? Raise your hand. Anybody else not perfect? Are we not perfect? Okay, good. Most hands went up. That's good. Some of you, we'll see. Um, the Lord knows. Um, but here's the deal, right? We're, we're not perfect. And, and so we're not perfect, but let's say, take that a little step further. How many, of us, how many of you are guilty of telling a lie? Who's ever told a lie in their life? Okay. <clears throat> I've told one, told one um, in, in my life, and actually I was, um, I was little. Still potty training. Um, my parents were, were getting ready for church one Sunday morning, and my dad, he comes to me and he says, hey, um, he says, hey are, do you need to go to the bathroom before we get you ready? I'm like, no, dad, I went a little bit to go. I'm good. Let's, just, let's get ready. I'm ready to go to church. And he says, okay. And so he gets my clothes on, and he goes back, and my mom and him are finishing getting ready. My brother and I are sitting there watching TV. Um, and my parents love to tell this story, but how they tell it is all of a sudden I get up and I sprint back towards my room. And my dad thinks, uh-oh, this isn't good. So my dad comes, and he walks around, and he comes to find me. And as he's coming to find me, we both kind of come around this corner at the same time. I look at him, look down at my pants. I look at him again. I said, Dad, somebody wet my pants. <laughs> I didn't want, I, it wasn't me, right? I didn't do it. And so, you know, I didn't want to get in trouble, right? I knew, like, I was going to be in trouble if I had done that because he had just asked me, hey, are, are you good? And so, you know, that, that's the, the one lie that I told in my life. Um, not really. But, you know, that's, see, here's the deal. That is a, a funny story from my childhood, um, but, but that's not the only lie I've told in my life. 
right? And I'm sure some of you can think of some funny things that have happened with lies that you've told. Um, but, you know, that's not the only sin I've, I've dealt with. That's not the only sin you've dealt with, right? I'm not the only one in this boat because we all experience this. You know, and some of us, you know, um, like what about who has ever cheated on a test or gossiped about somebody? We've done that? that? Um, Right, see, this feels good. We're getting this stuff out in the open. It's good. Right before Christmas, we're getting it out there. We feel good. Um, jealousy, selfishness, we're in that, right? Some of us, we're in that jealousy, selfishness. Um, what about lust, hatred, drunken, drunkenness, drug abuse? Anybody on that? Nobody wants to raise their hand? Some people? Some people? So here, here's the deal. Um, it, it's, it's interesting, right? We talk about this thing. Some of you will raise your hand on, on that last set, but all of a sudden, when some, we hear some of these things, lust, drunkenness, drug abuse, pornography, cheating on a spouse. We hear these things, and, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I, I don't know if I can raise my hand, right? We'll, we'll raise it. We'll be like, yeah, I've lied before. Yeah, I cheated on a test. I've done this, but all of a sudden, it gets hard to admit some of these things, right? Because, because we, we feel like if we admit to certain things, they're worse than others, right? There's some, some sins that our world has, has um, deemed acceptable. They're socially acceptable, and some that are not. Right? And we feel like we're going to be condemned more for some things than other. And especially in church, right? Especially in church, if we admit to certain things, then we begin to feel like, oh, I, I don't know that I can admit that. People aren't going to think I'm that good of a Christian. People are going to judge me for this in church and, because I've done some things that aren't socially acceptable. But here's the deal. We're all guilty of sin, right? We all give in to these fleshly desires that we have. You know, today as we, we're going to talk about this a little bit, and as we continue on in this series of All I Want for Christmas, right, just to recap a little bit, three weeks ago, Blake talked about how all he wants for Christmas is peace, and then two weeks ago, uh, the elders were up here, Blake and all the elders were up here, and they shared about Christmas, what, what it meant, what it meant to them, and last week, Stephen was up here and said, talked about how all he wanted for Christmas was to be a part of something, and this week, I want to tell you that all I want for Christmas is freedom. All I want for Christmas is freedom, and that might sound a little odd. You're kind of like, what do you mean? So stick with me for a second on that. But um, you guys, we have a Savior who's given us an opportunity to live in the freedom from the bondage of our sins. He's given us that opportunity, and many of us, we've accepted this freedom. Many of us know the grace that we receive from God. We know this mercy. We've placed our trust in him. Um, But I want us to talk about this freedom to then forgive ourselves. Right? Often we, we understand and we know, hey, hey, I've been forgiven by God. Sometimes we forget to forgive ourselves. And a lot of the times we won't forgive others, right? And so I want us to see that we have the ability to, to not condemn ourselves and not condemn others, but to point them to freedom in Christ. And we don't just have that ability. We should be choosing to not condemn others and point them to the freedom that they can have in Christ. Right? I know what it's like to need forgiveness from people. Trust me, you can ask my mom, you can ask my grandmothers. There's a lot of shenanigans I got into growing up that I had to ask for forgiveness from my family, my parents, my grandparents, my teachers, all kinds of stuff. Um, we had some parent-teacher conferences in my day. Um, and so, right, we all know what it looks like to ask for forgiveness. We know that we need this. Um, and, and sometimes it's harder to ask for it than others. Right? But thankfully, you guys, we've been given an incredible gift of grace and forgiveness from God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We've already been forgiven. 
And we can live in that. And so this morning, I want us to look into that and, um, because we can easily get caught in sin, right? Any of us can easily get caught in sin. And, um, you know, the world sees sin in different degrees, depending on what, what sin it is. But God sees sin all the same, right? So you, whether your struggle is with, with lying, little lies, right, white lies, or it's, or it's, you know, it's, it, it's pornography, or it's a, a sex, some sexual addiction, or it's a drug addiction, whatever it is. I want you to know that um, you're not alone. We all fall into this category of, of being sinful people, right? And my, my guess is that we're, we're not surrounded today by what our world would call horrible people, right? We're not surrounded by people who are mass murderers or involved in human trafficking this morning, uh, but we often get in this mindset of, okay, well, my sin's not that bad. My sin's not that bad compared to somebody else's. And, and we, we get in that, and so we begin, we begin to think, so, so does this message really apply to me? Does this really apply to me if my sins aren't that bad? I mean, you're not a person that's caught up in some, some ridiculous sin habit. Or are you? What, where is your struggle today? And so let me, let me go ahead and help you out a little bit this morning and tell you this. You fall into this category. Okay, you fall into this. We are all sinful people desperately in need of Jesus. And so now that you agree with me, because I know you do, um, then we're going to move on and we're going to look towards what Jesus says about this, about us being sinful people. And so if you have your Bible, go to John 8. Um, If not, you can follow along on on the screen. But um, John 8, 1 through 11 is where we're going to be. But I want to pray for us real quick, um, because, again, like I said earlier, Running on low sleep, just, you know, re- refocus here and ask the Lord to be with us. So let me pray real quick. Father God, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that you would speak through your word, or that we would be reminded that this is truth, that these are examples for us to live by, to learn from, to grow from. Lord, I pray that we would each leave this room closer to you than when we came in. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So John 8, 1 through 11, it says this. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to ride on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and rode on the ground. At this, those who heard began to to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Because in this passage, we see, we see a woman who, according to Scripture, was caught in the act of adultery. Now, I know we, we all understand, but I'm a youth pastor, and so I can't let it go to where I make sure these types of words we, we for sure are on the same page with, and we explain. I have to do that with our students to make sure. And so, essentially, this woman was caught in the act of either cheating on her husband 
or with a man who was cheating on his wife, or both, okay? So they were caught in this act, and um, th- this means that the Pharisees caught them here. And now, I, I can't seem, I can't get, not think about, can't, man, words. What I know right here is that, like, there's, this must be, this must mean that she has done this before. Or she gave some um, idea to the Pharisees that, that she did these types of things because it said they caught her in the act, right? During this time, um, and according to the Old Testament law, those caught in the act of committing adultery were put to death, often by stoning. Um, and so adultery is the grounds on which the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus. And um, to the Pharisees, in their heads, there were two options for Jesus, Right? It was either he says, okay, yeah, stone her, kill her for the sins that she has committed, or he says, let her go, and he's not following the law that has been written. And so they're trying to trick him in this moment to, to choosing one of these things. But when Jesus was asked for his answer, he, he, what does he do? He, he stoops down and just writes on the ground. Right? He, he doesn't answer. He stoops down, and he kind of waits and lets them get a little bit angrier. Or lets them get a little bit more, okay, hey, answer us, right? They start to ask him some other questions, and, and then um, he, he gets up, and what does he say? He says, um, the one who is without sin should be the first to throw a stone. He tells him, okay, if you're perfect, right? He's basically saying, hey, are, are you perfect? Are, are you, have you done anything that you are ashamed of? He said, is there anything that if, 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 if God was standing there that, that he would be displeased with? And then Jesus gave, gave them a chance to think about it, and he goes to ride on the ground again. He's just hanging out, doing his thing down there, and, um, and then he gets back up. And what we see is it's only him and the woman. Everyone else is left. Why? Because everyone else is sinful, Right? Everyone else is sinful in this moment. And so think about this. She's standing here, and, and she is ready to die. Right? She knows the rules, and she knows that she got caught. She's ready to die, and she's brought before Jesus, and she's probably panicking. And all of a sudden, right? put yourself in her shoes. Put yourself here. What if your deepest sin, your deepest struggle, God caught you in? Right? He walked in the door in the middle of it, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no. What's going to happen? And now you're nervous about what's going to happen. She's nervous she's about to die. And, but then what does she hear? Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I. And in an extremely, in an extremely serious moment, Jesus says the opposite of what she was expecting. She's expecting to die. She knows she's been caught. But Jesus turns her entire situ- situation around. He says, hey, I don't condemn you. you. You're forgiven. You are loved. So for those of you today who are caught in sin, or whether, whether it's something that the world sees as horrible or something that the world accepts, wherever you are, the fact is this. So the first thing today is that Jesus does not condemn you. Jesus does not condemn you and... Um, he offers forgiveness. He offers grace. He offers mercy for all of us who are human, right, which is everyone in here. We're human. We struggle with our sin. But the definition of grace is the free, unmerited favor of God. It's freely given to us, paid 
by the sacrifice that Jesus made. Right? It's, and, and, you know, Romans 6.23, it states, the wages of sin is death. Sin separates us from God. Our sinfulness has separated us from God. And that separation from God is death. Not, not physical death. It's within that, but, but spiritual death. Separated from him for eternity. Because of our sin, we should be separated from him for eternity. On our own, we are not good enough. On our own, we cannot get back to our Father. But Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took that punishment on the cross, and because of him, we don't have to suffer that punishment anymore. We get to live in the freedom of the forgiveness of our sins, which means that death is no longer the end for us anymore. Death is no longer the end for us. So if you, if you sit here and you think, oh, there's no way out of this sin. There's no way out of this. I'm too deep. I'm too much in here. Then I want to point you to the cross, and I want to remind you that Jesus took that punishment for you. Right? Even, think about it, Even in your little sins, your little sins, maybe you get mad at your kids or you get mad at your grandkids, and then you realize, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have jumped to that ang- anger that quickly. Still turn to Jesus in that. He tells you the same thing he tells this woman. He says, neither do I condemn you. So we start there. And I know that that's a long start, but right, that we start there. We're forgiven. But Jesus doesn't ask us to stop there. He doesn't ask us to stop, right? He goes on to tell this woman, he says, to go and live in the freedom to sin no more, right? He says, go and leave your life of sin. He, he doesn't just say, hey, hey, you're forgiven. I don't condemn you. Right? He doesn't say, hey, yeah, go on and, and, and be free from this one, but then go and you can do whatever else you want. He says, go and leave your life of sin. Right? He, he calls us to do the same, to turn from that, to repent from that sin, go away from that. And glorify him with the way that we live, with the way that we love. Our freedom is bought for the purpose of of leaving our sin and being a part of what God uses to free others to do the same. Romans 8, 34 through 39, it says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither the present nor the future nor any powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, when we trust in Jesus, we receive freedom to live with hope that our future is secure. So what do I want for Christmas this year? I want to see freedom in my life. I want to see freedom in the lives of those around me. I want to see us forgiving others because we are living 
in the freedom that we have received from Christ. You guys, I want you to really think about this. Who, who do you need to forgive? Big or small? And, and, and pay attention to this right here. Who do you need to forgive? That's an important word. Need, not want. Who do you want to forgive is different. Who do you need to forgive? So there's probably some people we don't necessarily want to forgive, but we need to. And I know that that can be, that can be hard, right? That, been, that can be difficult. I know many, some of you, you have some serious things that have happened in your life, some serious pain that others have inflicted upon you. Man, so I just invite you to pray and seek the Lord and what that forgiveness looks like. How does that forgiveness that you give pull you closer to him? Let me ask you this question. What would your life look like if you sought out people's freedom instead of their condemnation? What would your life look like if you sought out people's freedom instead of their condemnation? See, the Pharisees in this story, they sought this woman's condemnation for their own agenda, right, which was a trap or trick Jesus. Here's the deal. You know, there's a lot of debate of, okay, she was caught in the act, right? So obviously there are two people, so why wasn't the man brought forward? I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other issue, right? Why wasn't he brought forward? Well, here's the deal. They didn't care who they brought forward. They just brought somebody forward because they were trying to trick Jesus, because they had their own agenda. They sought condemnation, and that's it, right? They didn't care about her. They didn't care about her heart. They weren't concerned about what her future would look like if she continued committing adultery or where she would spend eternity. The Pharisees in this story, they wanted her, they didn't even necessarily want her to be condemned. They just wanted to trick Jesus. But Jesus gave her freedom. He gave her freedom to live not condemned but forgiven. And then he challenges, challenges her to sin no more. Right? And he challenges her to sin no more, not because she needed to earn that freedom, but because Jesus knew that if she left her life of sin, he, Jesus knows that if you would leave your life of sin and you leave that behind, then, then you would find the life full of freedom from that sin if you would choose him. He knows that you would have a full life. And if you choose Jesus and you commit to him, you get to see what it looks like to have abundantly more. Through Jesus, we receive justice and freedom. We receive these things. For the woman right here, justice was seen in her no longer committing her sin and hurting herself, other men or families impacted by these actions. And we see this freedom that she, she receives as Jesus protects her from being stoned to death. And he gives her the opportunity to go on and move forward with her life in a new way, right? in a God-honoring way. Right? We, we receive justice through Jesus' payment for our sins on the cross. And justice is served through Jesus' sacrifice for you and me. And because we receive this freedom in our salvation, this is the same freedom that we are called to point others to. This is the same that love that we are called to show to others. Right? It's a lot easier to receive forgiveness than to, for, to, than to give forgiveness. And again, maybe you've been sinned against in, in some unimaginable ways. 
And if that's you, my heart hurts for you. But if that's you, I, I also know that God still has a plan for you. And he wants to use you. So what, what if, what if you trusted God enough to forgive those who've wronged you? What if you had peace? What if you had the peace in, in, in trusting and knowing that, that God will bring justice? Right? That he will bring justice. That, that we are to forgive, not to bring justice, right? We are not the judge, God is, and it says that there will be a judgment day. That day will come, and, and he will give righteous judgment in that. What if we lived as peacemakers? Right, and we chose joy. We chose to, to honor Jesus. How would the lives of the people in your, how would the people in your life, how would they be affected if you chose to live in that? You know, here, here at Gateway, we have, we have five priorities that define our church that we've talked about some and we're going to continue to talk about five things that we really want to be about as a church. And we want everyone in the church to be about and it's um, inviting others to Christ, right? Relating to, uh, inviting others to Christ and church, relating to our culture and community, applying the Bible to real life, cultivating authentic relationships and challenge, challenging others to deeper commitment. That's what we want to be about. And today, I'm challenging you to a deeper commitment to follow Jesus. I'm inviting you to choose to live in the freedom that you're given in Christ. I'm inviting you to remember that you are no longer condemned, but you are called to live free of that sin. You're called to choose Jesus instead of your flesh. So I invite you to trust him enough to know that you're forgiven. Trust him enough to to live in the freedom that he's allowed you to have. Trust that he provides justice and freedom. And so today, I just invite you as, as we sing here in a little bit, if you're wondering, you have any questions about this or you just need to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. This is, this is difficult for me, right? And again, there's some things that we need to do, not necessarily that we want to do. I told our students last night that if, um, if we only lived life doing the things we want to do, you're going to have a boring life. If you live life only doing the things that you want to do, you're going to miss out on what God's calling you to. If you live only doing the things you want to do, you're not going to see your true need for Jesus because you're going to be comfortable. So I invite you not to be comfortable, but to ask Jesus to work in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to move in you in a way that you cannot ignore. And that's what I'm praying, that he would break our hearts so that he could build us back up. He would break our hearts for the sins that we commit so that he could build us back up. And so I, again, invite you as we sing to come talk to us out, um, outside in the back if you need to. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for today. Father, we are thankful for just your, the gift that you've given us of forgiveness. Lord, we're also thankful that you... Um, 
that you give us help in overcoming our sin. And so, God, as we go out this week, as we go out today, I ask that you would fill us, that you would challenge us, Lord, that you would break us in a way that only you can so that you could build us up in the, the just unimaginable love that you give. So, God, I just I ask that you would move in our hearts, that you would challenge us, challenge us and that you would show us what we need to do and give us confidence to go and do the things that we need to do, that we wouldn't just sit in the comfortability of our wants. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the freedom that you give us. Lord, I ask that you would give us the courage to live in that. It's in your name I pray. Amen.